Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Are we ready? Kathy and I have been doing a series for the last couple months on that of faith. The Bible says apart from faith, separate from faith, it's impossible to please God, to come into agreement with everything heaven is saying and doing. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently, not half-heartedly, but diligently seek him. So we see that God's a rewarder and the Bible teaches us that we're not saved by our good works. How many know that? I remember some 40 years ago when I walked in and heard the gospel of Jesus, that it wasn't my works, it wasn't by my going to church, it wasn't by giving money, it wasn't by being a good person that I was saved, but it was by faith in what Christ Jesus had done. It changed my life. It blew me away. But I also recognized that works is not what saved us. But I also recognized that when Jesus comes back, we used to say it at church all the time, Christ has died, come on, Christ has risen, and then Christ will come again. We used to say that all the time, but I didn't live like that and wasn't really prepared for that in any way because I didn't really have that walk with God that I want now have with him through faith and trust in what Christ has done. But in that journey, I realized something that when Christ comes, we're going to be rewarded for the deeds that we do in the body. How many love the word rewards? And can you imagine rewards that God has for each one of us to do works? As a matter of fact, my closing today is going to be that we're to incite one another, provoke one another to love and to good works. And so I recognize that faith is the most important element inside of our lives. And so I recognize that the first ingredient of faith is the acquaintance and getting to know God. Many know about God, but don't know God. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Literally, it speaks of missing pieces of information about God. And our admonishment in the two weeks that we taught on that, our greatest encouragement to the church is to get to know the very character of God. That's why I love the scripture reading where it says, and summarize the entire ministry of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about, come on, doing Good. So if he went about doing good, how many know he wasn't doing bad? And many times God's made out to be the bad guy in the situation. Why did God allow this? Or why did God disappoint me? Why did God not? And, and so if you understand the revelation of God that he is good, and he went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. How many know heaviness, oppressions, obsession? How many know those are not from God, but they're a devil? And how many know God wants us to be delivered? God wants us to be set free. And he paid the price. So we need to understand the proper knowledge of God. Then after we have the knowledge of God, we can have our trust and confidence of God. After we have our trust and confidence of God, we learn that faith has a voice. It speaks. And that's our hopes, our dreams, because faith gives substance to our hopes. It gives evidence to the things not seen. So we live a life by confident expectation of good that God has for our life. And then the final corresponding action to our faith is that of called obedience. How many know those four ingredients is what compiles what we call biblical faith today? The thing that I want to bring out today to you is that we've all known people who are good talkers, but they're not necessarily good walkers. And this goes into faith without works or faith without corresponding actions of death. We've all known men and women who came out of the gate and they were running well, 
but they did not finish well. And we've also known in faith professors, but the challenge today is not what we say, but what we do with our faith. See, faith has to have goals. Faith has to have an aim. Faith has to have a mark. And it's to come into agreement with everything heaven is saying and everything heaven is doing. How many know if Jesus is, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, come on, then how many know his voice is still speaking today? The Holy Spirit was given. Uh, Kathy said this last week, uh, uh, one of the messages that we heard, how many know Jesus went up so the Holy Spirit could come down so that lives could come into the kingdom? Come on now. And so that the gospel can be. What's the last one, Kathy? No, it's uh, Jesus rose up. Yep. The Holy Spirit came down. Yep. The disciples went out. Yep. And the people came in. How many could say that's good news? <laughs> you got it, Kath. Thank God you're here. Okay. That was the summary of the book of Acts. So I say all that there that our words and our decrees are very important to God, but we must not just believe, we must put into action our faith. I believe it's not a, a quiet religion, if you want to term it a relationship. I believe when I, when I met Kathy, uh, I, I wanted to tell her, I wanted to talk about her to everybody I came in contact with. My parents, when she, they first met her, they knew everything about her because I had shared everything about her. And when they met her, they said, she's more than what you had even said about. Amen. They were very ecstatic because we wanted to tell people about it. How many know that our Christianity, how many know our job today as, as believers, Jesus met them and said, hey, I'm going to make you now fishers of men. How many know it's our job to be fishermen out there? Okay, you might like the sport, but how many know this isn't a sport? It's not a game. It's not a gig, but it's a mandate upon all of us today. You know, last time that we were together on Father's Day when I shared this here, I brought something out about corresponding actions. And this is what I want to share for a moment. Research shows that a woman's sense of worth as a person is rooted in her experience with her father. So how her father acted is going to show and determine what her confidence level is going to be at. Granddads have one of the most powerful influences on grandchildren and one that passes generational values onto the children. See, this was so huge in Israel, and, and it said the things that you've been taught, you teach them to your children and to your children's children. We have a generation today that's been involved with butting out and said, well, I really don't want to uh, say anything. I really don't want to do anything. We have a mandate from heaven that we are to say, we are to speak. And men who regularly engage with their children are healthier themselves. They create a new ideal of masculinity into the men. If a father attends church regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will become churchgoers. And yet, if the mother goes, 13% of them go. And children with more involved fathers experience fewer behavioral problems and scored higher on their reading achievements. And fathers involved in school and associated with the highest likelihood of a student getting more A's. And this was true for fathers and biological parents, families, stepfathers, and for fathers heading single parent families. So I say all that there. Our faith when it's involved inside of a dad's life, inside of a father's life, is going to be infectious, it's going to be contagious, and it's going to be an example that we're living so that our children and grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, can go in the right ways of God. So faith is not something we just talk about. Faith is something we live every day. It's the passion of our heart to live as members of faith, and faith has a voice that calls the things that be not as though they already are, 
And faith doesn't live by what it sees. It does not deny obstacles, does not deny problems, does not deny circumstances, but it speaks something that is bigger and better than what we see and what we have today. And that's the life of faith that we all have the invitation to. Go ahead, Kath. You know, how many here want peace in your life? How many like peace? You know, just being at peace. How many want love and joy? Okay, most of you. You know, how many want God's blessing on your life? Come on. And how many want just the promises of God fulfilled in your life? You know, these are all things we want, right? But there's only one way we can get those things, and that is by faith. See, the kingdom of God operates on the principle of faith. And, and there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that in a little while. But, but the most important thing to understand is the world that we live in is real, but it's temporary. In fact, there is not one thing in this world that will last forever other than human souls. And, and so, in other words, everything is subject to die. Everything is subject to die or to end or to change. You know, I've done a lot of world traveling, and, you know, you go to different countries, and, and I, I used to love to study uh, art and also history. And so you go to different countries, and, and all you see is ruins in, when you're doing, you know, these tours. You're seeing ruins, ruins of ancient cities, you know, ancient times, but those places no longer exist because everything is subject to change. You know, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. You know, things change over time. And everything in our lives change all the time. In fact, nowadays, you almost don't want to buy a TV. Because sure enough, next year, there'll be a better one. You know, it does more things. How many know what I'm talking about? Everything gets outdated. Everything is always changing. And in our world, though, there's nothing that we, if we put our whole hope in anything in this world, whether it's money, whether it's a home, whether it's a husband or a wife, or even your own children, whether it's, you know, education, whether it's riches, you know, whether it's fame, whatever it is, everything is subject to change. And none of those things can give you real peace, real joy, or the blessings of God or fulfill the promises of God in your life. So you can chase after those things, but you're going to get eventually come up empty, disappointed, disillusioned, hurt, alone, and, and you know, robbed of joy and peace. And so if faith is the only way to access it, how I many know we need to absolutely know, well, why is it? Why is it is it so hard to operate in faith? The number one reason is, well, there's a number of reasons. One is we don't really know God. Because when you know God, when you know God, not just know that he exists up here, but know him in your heart, have a relationship with him. When you know him, it's easy to operate by faith. And the other thing that really stands in the way is unbelief. And the reason why unbelief is there and why it is so big in our lives is because we are fixed on what we see rather than on the unseen realm. You see, as you grow in your spiritual walk with God, you'll come to recognize that the unseen realm is more real and more lasting than the seen realm. In other words, what we see now is not going to be here 100 years from now, the way we see it. The people won't be here 100 years from now. Maybe a few of them might, but most of them won't. And, um, and so, you know, we have, to, we have to get this. I want to read the scripture out of 2 Corinthians because this is so true. Powerful. It says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. So just like nothing lasts, nothing, none of the good things last in this world, none of the bad things last either. 
So the trouble that you're having right now, the problem that you're in right now, that maybe the financial crisis or the physical health issue or, or the child that's out there doing something that they shouldn't be doing, whatever it is you're going through, whatever trouble is going on in your life, it's not going to last forever. It will end. So they won't last very long, yet they produce for us the trouble can produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. How can trouble produce glory that will far outweigh the trouble and last forever? By faith. Come on. The only way your trouble can bring glory in your life is by having faith in the trouble. But you know what? A lot of times people, when they're in trouble, because they don't have the Word of God on the inside of them, they're so focused on the trouble. They're so focused on the problem. They're so focused on the circumstance they're in right now that they don't see the glory if they would just put their faith and activate their faith to that trouble. And how do you activate faith? I'm glad you asked. First of all, you've got to get faith in your heart. And how do you get faith in your heart? By meditating and hearing the Word of God. What has the Word got to say about your trouble? What has the Word got to say about your unsaved loved one? What has the Word got to say about your finances? What has the Word got to say about your health? What has the Word got to say about your life situation that you might be in right now? And once you know what the Word says, then you've got to speak that Word out of your mouth and you've got to say it over and over and over right. again until faith rises up in your heart. And when faith rises up in your heart, you will know that you're an overcomer and you will know know that that circumstance can no longer affect your life, but you can walk in victory, and then you will see the glory because faith will activate the glory, oh. and when the glory comes, you will have another testimony to tell people about. And that's how it works. But we're so caught up in, oh, poor me, and oh, this situation, and what's going on? I'm going to read on. It says, so, we're in 2 Corinthians 4, good, 17. Uh, actually, we're probably in 18 now, but it says, so we don't look at the trouble we see now. So we don't look at the trouble we see now. Right. We don't look at the trouble we see now. We don't look at the trouble we see now. What do we look at? What do we look at? Christ. The Word of God. What does the Word say? The Word of God that says endures forever. It will never change. So we don't look at the trouble we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. So in other words, we're saying, I'm not going to believe what I see right now because God's word says something different about this. So I'm going to find out what God's word says about it. So, but he's telling us what's going on in the spirit realm. And so I'm going to look at what's going on in the spirit realm here. And I'm going to look at the testimony that I'm going to have here. I'm going to look at the victory that I'm going to have here. I'm going to look at what God is doing or will do in this situation. But it says, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And this next part I really like. And as you get older, you like this better. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent, speaking about our bodies, we live in is taken down or That's dies, right. we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Wow. So in other words, we all have a new body waiting for us in heaven. And that's exciting news. Because that body will never get tired, it'll never be weak, it'll never be old, it'll never be feeble, it'll never be sick, it'll never uh, have limitations on it, and it won't ever tempt us to sin. How many know that's an awesome body to look forward to, right? And that's what God has for us. And then it says, for we will put on heavenly bodies. Actually, it says we grow weary in our present bodies. How many get weary in your present bo body? 
How many of you know, maybe you had trouble getting up this morning, right? You just didn't want to get up. Or maybe, you know, you were tired and you had to stay up late last night. Or how many have a list of things that you know you should do, but you're just too tired to do them? Nobody's acknowledging anything here today. It's okay. They don't eat sugar, Kath. Everything's good. Okay. So we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So we're going to have a body, the Bible says. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So in other words, we all have a new body waiting for us. And as you grow older, how many know as you grow older, you have to work a lot harder at keeping this body the way you want it, right? And, but regardless, you can't not grow old unless you die early. My mother-in-law used to tell me, Kathy, don't grow old. And I said, well, then I'd have to die early. And so you don't really have an option there, right? We are all going to grow old. But as you grow older, your body isn't the same as when you were 20 or 30 or 40. You can still have a healthy, good body, but it's not the same. And, but there is a better body awaiting us. So we don't have to focus all our time and attention on the bodies we have now. Right. We need to be focusing on that eternal body, knowing that whatever we do here in this world is going to earn us rewards and blessings for that eternal body in the heavenly realm. And so we've got to fix our eyes. The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not no, on no. the things of this world. Because if, you, if I put all my affection in something that's definitely going to fail me, hurt me, disappoint me, disillusion me, then I'm pretty stupid to do that. Right? I need to put all my heart trust in God. That doesn't mean I can't love people and, and have good relationships. I'm not talking about not having relationships. As you love God, you'll love others. But you won't depend on them for your joy and your peace and your love. You'll depend on them. You know, you'll, you'll be able to give to them. And you'll, they'll reciprocate. Right. In most cases, they'll reciprocate. But your whole peace and joy isn't going to be dependent on what they do or don't do. That's why so many marriages break up, because they're, they're counting on that person to do what only God can do, to fulfill them only the way God can. See, the Bible says we walk by faith. What does the word walk mean? It speaks about our journey of life. We walk by faith and not by sight. We do not deny sight. We do not deny circumstances. We do not deny our troubles. We do not deny the storms of life. But we've learned that there's a higher law that can change the circumstances, change the troubles into the great place of victory is what we're talking about today. And this is where corresponding actions to your faith comes in. I want everybody to go to the book of Matthew chapter 7 for a moment. And I'm going to start in verse 15, but I like it up in the New King James when they're doing it up there. The New King James. That's the translation I have opened over here. When the storms of life come, it's amazing how we see some people just go right down the tubes, just throw in the towel, just quit and say, why is all this happening to me? Well, if you have the proper knowledge of God, you'll understand that there's an exceeding great and precious promise that the Word of God says. It says, in the world. Everybody say, in the world. How many know we're in the world? We're not of the world, but we're in the world. Here's a promise that everybody should have on your refrigerator. In the world, you will have tribulation. Not everybody likes to hear that, but yet in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But he said, be not afraid. I've overcome the world. So the focus is not in the world we're going to have tribulation. 
The focus is, I've overcome the world. So how is it that we overcome the world is what Matthew teaches us here. How many, if I gave you the answer to the storms of life, how many are going to say, I'm going to pay attention to what you got to say? Raise your hand. Few people care. Maybe half the ones in. The rest, I don't know where you're at, okay? So it says, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Is that what it says over there? But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Teeth, uh, uh, wolves are always known by what they say. They're always known by their teeth. They're always known by their bite. And so it says, beware of them. And then he says, you will know them by what? Come on, you're going to know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree. How many are a good tree in here today right now? Come on, raise your hand. You're a good tree. Stand up if you're a good tree right now. I got a promise for you right now. Every good tree bears good fruit. Glory to God. Say, you fruity one, we love you tutti fruities. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Just stay standing for a moment. Just stay standing. standing. But a bad tree, what does it do? So how many know you're the tree of the righteous today? You're the tree of the firstborn today. You're the tree that's been made holy. You're the tree that's blessed. You're the tree that's sanctified. You're the tree that's made righteous. You're the tree, the very planting of God. His very DNA is on the inside of you. So the natural byproduct of this new tree is to bring good fruit. What is the fruit he's talking about. It's the fruit of the new creation. The number one fruit is love. It manifests itself in joy and patience and goodness and self-control. I got a little bit quieter on that now. What's the bad fruit? Envying and strife and division and jealousy and arguing and contention and self. Come on, church. So a tree is not known by what it says, a tree is known by what it does. Amen. You can be seated. So introducing this now, so he goes on and says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will come on, you'll know them. Not everyone who says to me, what do they say? Lord, Lord, what does that mean? Jesus is number one. He's my God. He's my Savior. Come on. Just reading what Jesus said, because I'm going to give you the answer to storms. It said, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who, come on, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Isn't it amazing? They came to Jesus one day, and they said, man, blessed are the paps that gave suck. Okay. Blessed are the breast of Mary that gave suck to the Son of God. Okay. Literally speaking of breastfeeding. And Jesus just turned around and said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? He said, he that does the will of God. Turned it right around. And they were saying, Mary, you're this. Mary, you're that. He said, no, the one that's blessed is the one that hears and does the will of God. Come on. What does he say here? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Is that what it says? Okay. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that practice lawlessness. Or literally it says, without rule, without law inside of our life. How many know God's law now has been inscribed inside of our hearts? You know when you do wrong. 
How many thank God you know when you do wrong? Okay. How many know there's just something inside you that this, this ain't right? Okay. That's God's spirit convicting you, con- convicting you, not condemning you, convicting you because condemnation doesn't give you a way out. Conviction shows you where you're at with the way out. Amen. And then he goes on and he said, and we don't like to talk about this in church, but we're going to say it anyway. Therefore, because of what he just said, whoever hears these sayings of mine, come on, and what? And does them, I will liken him to a wise man. How many want to be the wise guy or the wise gal? Come on. It said, who built his house on what? On the rock. Now, let me tell you what this verse does not say, okay? It doesn't say here that builds his house on Jesus. Because everybody said, Lord, Lord, they believe that their house is built on Jesus. But what its context is, hear the sayings of mine and then does them. Faith without works is dead. Come on. I will liken him to a wise man. A wise man always. You can go into a Jesus taught later on in the book, and he says this here. He says, he said there was ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. Who were the wise ones? The ones that had trimmed their lamp. They were the ones that had corresponding actions of the faith. Who were the others? They were just waiting. And so he says, the wise man is he who built his house on the rock. Now look at verse 25. So incredible what the author brings. And the rain descended... The floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on what? What was the rock? The rock was the applications of the teachings that they heard, that they applied in their life. The rock was there, listen very carefully, because they were doers of the word, not just hearers. The rock was the one. So let me just state this here. A doer listens to the word of God and then simply does what it says. And I found this here. It wasn't hard. It's not hard to do what God says. Because I understand that when God tells me to do something, there's always a benefit on the other side. If you're willing, come on, and obedient, what's going to happen? The good of the land is going to be yours. You're going to eat the good of the land. You're not going to eat the leftovers of the land, but you're going to eat the good of the land. So it said, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. And it says, and they beat on the house. And then what happened? And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The whole context of what the writer's saying is, guys, we're not in here just to hear something. We're here to do what it says. When you hear, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And then it said, and lead us not into temptation. The tempter is there to get you bitter. For if we forgive men not their trespasses, how will our Father forgive us our trespasses? Go to the next verse, if you will. This is so powerful in here. It says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and then what does it say? Come on, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So my question to every one of us today is, what are you building on? The doing of the word is the building that God's looking for. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and what happened? It fell, and great was its fall. Why? Because the foundation wasn't laid right of not just hearing the word, but doing the word. Let me just line this up, and I'm going to turn it back over to Kathy. A doer forgives those that have caused them pain and wrong. 
A doer lives daily with high expectations in their life. A doer is motivated by the love of God to faith, motivated by the love of God to good works, motivated by the love of God to incite one another to love and actions. Come on. A doer rejects the murmuring spirit. A doer gets rid of the old wardrobe of slander, bitterness, strife, and envy, jealousy, and contention. And a doer puts on the new man created after God. Come on. The new man that that he puts on the whole armor of God. A doer flees immorality and selfish ambition. And a doer receives the promises of God and then follows the Holy Spirit's leading inside of their life. And a doer receives the promises of God, does not dwell on its past failures, but its present position in Christ. And finally, a doer shares its faith with others. It prays for the sick. It leads by example for generations to follow. When my hero, my daddy, came to me when I got saved and he said something, he said, Rick, he says, I had a bad experience. I had a very bad experience with a believer. And it was in the military when I was up at the Aleutian Island station. And he was in the Navy. And he said it was a bad experience because this guy said one thing and he lived just the opposite. It took my dad 14 years of living the life by example before he broke and gave his life to Jesus Christ because he had to uproot from what he saw of Christianity and what was going on. In the same respect, listen, listen very carefully, our example, our words, our lifestyle is the greatest thing we can give to the generations. The faith that was in Lois, I'm persuaded, was into Eunice, the mother, and Timothy, I'm persuaded, it's inside you. This is not a church where we just talk the talk, but it's a church that we walk the walk. If you want to know the fruits of this here house, just look at the community. It blesses and ministers to every day. That's the fruit of WCF. And everybody said amen. Kathy? You know, the biggest reason why we don't do acts of faith is because we don't always have the faith number one we're in unbelief and we're in unbelief because we don't really know god and we don't really know who we are in christ and that's why it's so important to know who you are as a child of god knowing that you've been made righteous knowing that you have the mind of god on the inside of you that you have the power of god and the ability of god to do things that other people don't do the biggest sin that God looks at isn't a sin of immorality or a sin of uh, pride or any of that stuff. The biggest sin, well, pride is part of the sin, I guess, but it's the the sin of unbelief. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he went around, whenever he rebuked people, he was always rebuking them because of unbelief. And I'm going to read a a couple of scriptures. One is Matthew 15 or 13, 58. It says, and he could only do a few miracles there because of their unbelief. And we can read it in Mark 6, 6. It says he was amazed at their unbelief. And then we can read um, in Mark 16, 14. It's still later. He appeared to the 11 disciples as they were in together. And he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief Mm -hmm. because he had refused to believe those that had seen him after he'd been raised from the dead. And, you know, Jesus was constantly talking about unbelief and about faith. And that's how the kingdom of God operates. And so how many here have ever been anxious or worried about something? You know, we all get anxious and worried about things. But what does the Bible say we're supposed to do with our worries or our cares? We're supposed to cast them on God. Why? He cares because for us. then you're going to have, he cares for us, but also it activates faith and it causes him to be able to change the circumstance around right. that maybe we're anxious about. And so faith is always activated by something that we do. 
If we don't do something with it, then we're not going to get the activation. In other words, if we don't cast the care, if we don't commit it to him, you know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to forgive. If we don't choose to forgive and cast that on him, then we're choosing to keep it. And if we're choosing to keep our care, or we're choosing to keep unforgiveness, or we're choosing to keep any kind of sin that God's telling us to give over to him or surrender on, to yeah. him, then what, who are we really trusting in? Ourselves, right? Wow. We're trusting in the seen realm. We're trusting in what the world has rather than, you know, how we feel or what our flesh wants or what this world offers rather than trusting in God. And, and you know, you might say, well, how do I know? Like, I can't see. How come we have to live by faith? The reason is every time I ever trust God when I cannot see it in the natural, I end up seeing it in the natural. I end That's up right. with the result that I'm expecting or believing for. And so we have to know that it builds us up. God's a faith God. God spoke everything into existence. He spoke the worlds into existence. The things God has planned for us in eternity require faith. That's right. We need to be like him. He's a God of faith. He's a God that sees nothing and makes something out of nothing. And we're called to be people that see nothing and can make something out of nothing. Because we're operating by faith. We can live as mere men and women in a natural world, a fallen world, under a curse, and, and, and be hurt and disappointed and disillusioned and frustrated and, and all of those things. Or we can live above this world and live victoriously and live in that spirit realm that we can't see, but we can operate it in this realm by faith. And that's our choice. You know, we live in a time where, you know, it's going to get... In the natural, it can get harder and harder to be a Christian. Even in North America, we've been so blessed over the years that we've had the freedom to worship God and the ability to stand up and say whatever we want, but those freedoms are being stripped away. And there may come a time it's going to take faith to speak up for God. It may take faith now for you two at work or, you know, with family. But you know what? We need to use wisdom. God expects us to use wisdom, and he gives you the wisdom to operate in his kingdom, but he also requires you to be in faith. We have to pray every time we come to church and pray for the blood of Jesus to be around this place, and God protects this church. And and we pray it over our families. We pray it over our personal lives. You know, we trust God. We're not just going to assume anything. We aggress. Right? We have a responsibility to make declarations of faith. If you're struggling with whether or not God even loves you, get all the scriptures out that God loves you and start on, speaking Kat. them outside. If you're struggling with an illness in your body, get all the scriptures on healing and start Come speaking on, them out, so- out loud. If you're struggling with your finances, get the word on what God says about finances and start activating your faith and speaking out those things about your finance. We need to be activating our faith by doing the things that God has said we can do. How many saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ? You know, I love that movie. It changed my life. And that really was what motivated me to write the book on the cross. And um, it, it really changed everything about how I saw God, even though I'd been saved a long time. But it just brought me to a whole new level in my spiritual walk. And, uh, but the actor uh, that played Jesus in that movie was an actor named Jim Caviezel. And he's a believer. And he... Uh, has some powerful things to say about the walk that we should be having as Christians and about how a lot of Christians are. He's in Hollywood. He's an actor. Uh, He's in another TV show called Person of Interest. I believe he's been in for a while. But uh, he's going to preach something to us. Our Lord's death, which 
was for all. But understand that the modern day Christians, they say to me, but Jesus did that. Yes, true, he did do that for you. And so he did it, I don't have to. I said, okay, well, why did Peter have to then do it? And why did John have to do it? Why did all the rest of the apostles have to then, well, why did they have to sacrifice themselves? Jesus had done that. What about all the martyrs of the 20th century? What about Christians that I've heard and, and done documentaries to where they were executed at the foot of Muslims that are executing your brothers and sisters right now? Where is our Lord with them? Does he hate them? We cannot continue as Christians to sit here and say, well, I'll only be a Christian if it's about pro prosperity, you know, that, that, that we have plenty. I, I want you to remember that when Herod, when Jesus goes in to meet Herod, he wouldn't look at him. Did I just do that because that was a choice? No, it was scripture. He wouldn't look at Herod. You don't have to go out and do a song and dance for seculars because they won't believe. They won't believe anyway. You can pray for them. That's the way it's going to be. But understand, people are going to choose evil, but you don't. And the devil is going to sift you out. He's going to look right now. Where are you weak? I can get this guy a million bucks and he'll turn. Ten million for this guy, fifty over here. But they'll all turn. They'll all say, well, choice. Choice. My freedom to choose. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. If you want to look at it this way, the problem I see right now is the fact that many, many Christians have immersed themselves in paganism. They want to be cool to their Christian or pagan friends by being a little pagan so they can be cool. There's nothing cool in this. The only thing lacking in you, in you is that you don't, you don't want to be holy. Well, here's what will happen. We'll all come to task one day and you either get a chance to lay it down for Jesus or you'll get to deny him. But it will come in our generation this way. There are many things that you see on the horizon right now where you're going to have to make a choice. You will have to make a choice. I hear people all the time in Hollywood, they say, you know what, my agent just died. And he was so embarrassed by his death, he didn't want anybody coming in because it was, it was very hard for those people to watch. Well, guess what, suck it up. We need Christians to go look death in the face and understand the next point, to encourage these people to understand that eternity awaits them we're all going to die the first death. Hopefully not the second. God never sends a man to hell. People choose this place. Yeah. Our democracy cannot be sustained without a shared commitment to certain moral truths about the human person and the human community. The basic question before a democratic society is this, how ought we to live together? And seeking an answer to this question, can society exclude moral truth and moral reasoning? Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation, my brothers and sisters. You weren't made to fit in. You were born to stand out. That's right. Tremendous. Tremendous.
Right now we're going through a time period where things are being stripped from us, and they will, and it's good. Because you understand, you don't need all the things that we've been given. They aren't your uh, given right. They're going to be stripped. We're living in this time right now where the world is going to be fasting, and it's going to get hard before it gets better. But God, the people need to see God in you. They need to be a light because you need to be that light because they're going to see you, and they're going to think suicide is the way out. But they see you. They want that. Mm. This every day, the Word of God. So it's a 160-piece orchestra. It's 5.1 sound like a movie theater. You feel the Holy Spirit go through you. The Word of God comes alive. And everybody's going to look at you and believe me, they'll be asking you, what, what are you on? You'll be on Jesus Christ. You have a... Yeah, yeah. That's great. Very, very strong word for all of us in North America. I want to close with this here. Kathy and I, we got a whole message here on faith without works, on corresponding actions. And we have it broken down here on Hebrews chapter 11 because we started off, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, verse 1. But then it brings us 20-some illustrations of corresponding actions to every man and every woman that had faith that it shares in the Scripture. How many know that? Rahab the harlot was in there. She's in God's hero. How many know Noah was in there? How many know Enoch was in there? He had a testimony. At 65 years old, he actually connected with God, got, if you want to call it, saved. And then what happened? For 300 years, he walked with God and had this testimony that he pleased God. How many know it's all there in the book of Hebrews? All those there. We're going to cover about Abraham. We're going to cover about Sarah and all the ones who didn't even have the promises, but yet they believed. And so we're going to cover that. But Hebrews 10, everybody say Hebrews 10, comes before Hebrews 11. And for time's sakes, I want to close with this here because it ties everything that we've been sharing up this morning in verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23, New Living. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his what? His promise. 24 tells us, let us, that's you and I today, think of ways to motivate one another. The King James says to incite to action one another to acts of love and good works. Now, what would be an inciting to acts of love and to good works. Well, one of them would be if somebody's impatient, somebody comes and challenges you, hey, listen, you're a little bit short with your wife, you're a little bit short with your husband, you're a little bit short with your kids, I want to help you in this area. Or somebody that's just stuck, they're, they're in a stuck of what happened to them, and they live in the land of could have, would have, and should have, and wish this would happen, and they're stuck. Something happened in their past that caused them pain, something caused them, and they just are spinning their wheels, and they're stuck, and somebody like you comes around and says, listen, I, I want to help you out of this here. We need to release God's forgiveness because how many know outside of forgiveness, God can't get his forgiveness to you? And how many know everything we're talking about is done by something called faith? How is it that we stretch out and believe for the impossible? By faith. How is it that we see changes come inside of our lives? By faith. How is it that we, we set the course for the future? By faith. Everything we do, we give by faith. We act in faith. We live by faith. Our hope is in faith. Come on, church. 
Everything we do, there's many times I don't feel like doing some of the things that God tells me to do. But I don't go by my feelings. I go by what God has said because that positions me in to the position that he wants me to be, and that's a life of faith. I'll share. I want everybody to stand together. We're going to break bread together. Have you heard me share this here with some of the folks? We had a very, very strong challenge on our land deal a year and a half ago. It was in February over a year ago that that whole thing came up. And I was greatly, greatly confounded. I was greatly challenged. I was greatly taken back. Because when people give me their word, I'm just a guy that just says, okay, let's, let's shake hands. Let's just go ahead and do it. But anyway, I can't unscramble any of that because I'm not responsible for the choices other people make. But I am responsible for Rick Shimatero. And Kathy can tell you, I got angry. Kathy can tell you, I got very upset. Kathy can tell you, I got very reactive. Kathy can tell you, the words that came out weren't the words that I was real proud of. And my son came to me. And Kathy even said, she said, you need to deal with this here. You, you, you're stuck. And I said, I, I live by faith, Kathy. Don't give me that. And so our son, and he's in the room, came to us and, and just said, Dad, you're not, that, that's not the dad I know. The dad I know blesses his enemies. The dad I, I know, it, it says when people speak evil against him falsely, and Dad, it's been done. It says, for grace a reward in heaven. The dad I, I know doesn't rejoice in what they did, but rejoices in God that he's going to turn it around. And I received the correction that day. It was very hard. And I got back in faith and started speaking what God's word says over what happened. Speaking what God says, God, I don't understand it, but I know there's a greater good that you have on the other side. Now the greater good is beginning to unfold. Can you all say amen? A year and a half later. But here's the key. If we get out of faith, and I can be tempted into it, what's the one thing Satan hates more than anything else inside your life? It's not your marriage. It's not your home. It's not your kids, it's not the generation, it's not the church, it's your faith. And that's the thing he wants to steal from your life. Because if he steals your faith, what we're talking about today, your your what? Your knowledge of God, your trust in God, your hope in God, your, your, your corresponding actions. If he steals that, he's got you right where he wants and can paralyze your future from your life. So if you've gotten out of faith, if it happened to me, I believe it can happen. How many needed to hear that right now? Raise your hand. If we let down in this here area of applying the blood and speaking forth the things that be not as though they already are, then the enemy has paralyzed this here church. But I believe better things in this church. I believe the God of hope is alive and well in this church. And I believe our latter days are going to be more fruitful than all the other days that's going to come. We're not going to focus on what darkness, the kingdom of darkness is doing. We're going to focus on what God says for the future. And he says something like this. He said something like this. I'm coming back for a church without spot and wrinkle. I'm coming back for a glorious church. Not a dilapidated, beat-down church, not a backslidden church, but a glorious church. And I believe, guess what? I believe you're going to be a part of that glorious church. I believe it's all coming down to the all. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, girl. Lead us. Amen. Um, I just feel there's a few people here today. I've just been getting this, mm. uh, uh, that there's a few people here that you're in a valley of decision. And, you know, you're, you're in torment about it, too, because you know the right way to go. But there's something pulling on you. There's a grip on you that's just trying to pull you back 
into the world and and the enemy is just been whispering things to you and mm. and trying to just cause that unbelief to rise up rather than faith to rise up and and you're in the valley of decision and and God wants you to cross over today and you need to come down to the front this morning mm. before you leave this place and get prayer and get, have that thing broken off mm. because the devil knows your weakness but he knows your mm. he knows your future he knows what God wants you to do he knows that that many many people are going to come to know him because of you he knows that there's going to be breakthroughs and victories ahead head for you and he's coming in like like a flood the, the enemy trying to just pull you into the world because he wants to destroy you because you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness and so there's several here I know that this is speaking to that you're in that valley of decision today and you came here today maybe you didn't even want to come and you've been listening and you're 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 in you're almost in torment your mind is just going all over the place because you mm. so want to go the wow. wrong way. Wow. Wow. But your spirit wants to go the right way. Mm -hmm. And so whoever that is, make sure you come down here before we close today because today is the day. It's going to be broken off of you. Breakthrough day. And you're going to walk out in victory. Amen? So, Father, I just pray mm. right now as we take this bread, I thank you, Jesus, spirit that you faith. laid down your life for each and every person in this room. And I pray for those that are in that valley of decision, Lord, that they are... are are questioning their faith, questioning you, questioning what they want, Lord God, that you will just cause that breakthrough to come into their lives today. He help each and every one of us to examine our hearts, whether we be in faith or unbelief, Lord, that we would trust you with every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And Kathy said it earlier in the message that one of the things we do daily is we apply the blood of Jesus. It's not politically correct in the church to even speak this your way. But who cares about what they say? I'm going to speak what God's word has to say. And it says when Rahab applied the blood, she put the door, the lintel, the red lace in the window. Said when the children of Israel came in, they could not, they could not hurt anyone in that house. They were all protected in that house. When the firstborn was dedicated and they applied the blood, how I many know all the firstborn of all Egypt died, but the firstborn lived in the children of Israel. Can you say amen? And so we believe that when we apply the blood over our doorpost in our homes, we apply it over our vehicles, we apply it over our minds, we apply it over our marriage, and we do this on a daily basis, we believe that there's a protection that goes up in the spiritual realm that confounds the work of darkness. Because there's power in the blood of Jesus. Amen? And if there's anything Satan hates is your faith, but he also hates the blood. Amen? Because they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. And what else? The word, which is their faith, of their testimony. And love not their lives unto death. So, Father, as we partake of this cup today, we're asking that a spirit of faith would rise up in this house. Would rise up in every person in the sound of our voice. That when they leave this room, they're going to apply. As people were scrambling at the end of the last service, trying to find people that they knew they had to make it right with. And even ones that were leaving, they knew that they had to make it right with. Because they're not going to let another day go by of being robbed of their faith. So God, as we partake of this, we release forgiveness towards all those who have caused pain, spoke against us, hurt us, robbed us, used us in any way. And we speak the blessing of God over their life that maketh rich, abundant, and adds no sorrow to it to be released upon them and their families now 
And we ask it, Daddy, in Jesus' name, let us partake together. Let's go with the spirit of encouragement. Let's go in a spirit of faith. Let's go and decree our future. Let's go and decree the things that be not over your family as though those things already are. And together we'll reap a harvest. Together we'll see his kingdom. Together we'll see souls saved. Have an amazing day. Be safe. Keep your mind sound. Keep in his presence as we believe together.